Well, today we are beginning a new series of messages called Cow Tipping, Tipping Over Sacred Cows. And so, if you have your Bible, today we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 15 in verse number 1. Now, whenever we mention cow tipping, of course, we'll be doing this for the next several weeks while we've encouraged people to wear uh, Western wear. So I brought out my boots, and of course, you saw Minge and them wearing their chaps. I don't recommend that for everybody. But uh, we're doing that for the next several weeks. But I don't know, how many of y'all have heard of cow tipping before? Y'all know, y'all know what cow tipping is? Okay, now, if you don't know what cow tipping is, or you've never seen the movie Tommy Boy, I'm going to help y'all out with cow tipping. Uh, cow tipping is the idea that, that cows, they sleep standing up, and so you can run over to a cow, and you can shove on it, and it will fall over. So that's cow tipping. Uh, now, there are some researchers that actually decided, they, they wanted to see if there was any truth to cow tipping. And so here's what they discovered. They discovered if you're actually going to be able to shove a cow over, you have to push on it with over 900 pounds of force. And so when the researchers went out and they tried to tip over the cows, none of them were able to actually do it. As a matter of fact, basically what they did is they ended up scaring the cows, and and the cows ended up running off. And so the researchers' conclusion on this was that it was more of an urban legend than something that is truthful. Now, there's a lot of different urban legends out there that, that we like to think that they are truth, but when you actually look into them, there's, there's not a whole lot of truth behind them. And I'm, I'm going to mention a couple of urban legends that I've heard before that I think are interesting. Uh, this is one of them. Now, if you're, if you're around my age, I'm sure you, you remember Mr. Rogers, growing up with Mr. Rogers. There is actually an urban legend about Mr. Rogers. I've actually heard this one. And that is that, that Mr. Rogers was actually a Navy SEAL. Have you all heard that before? He was a Navy SEAL, and he was a sniper. And uh, the reason why he wore those cardigan sweaters was because on both arms, he had sleeve tattoos. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't that be cool if that was true? Now, it's an urban legend that you might be shocked. It is not true. Mr. Rogers was never in the military. He did not have any tattoos. Now, here's another urban legend. This is one that I thought, I thought was absolutely true, and that is that granddaddy longlegs are one of the most venomous spiders that there are, but their fangs aren't long enough to penetrate human skin. And so I always thought it was cool when I pick up a granddaddy longlegs. It made me kind of feel manly. I was like, it's a very poisonous spider, but it doesn't scare me. Well, there is absolutely no truth to that urban legend. All right, so where's all this going? Well, today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see Jesus dealing with an urban legend. Actually, it was, it was a, we would call it a sacred cow. It was a sacred cow in the religious world, and Jesus and his disciples stepped over a line that the religious leaders did not like, And they ended up tipping over a sacred cow. They ended up pointing out an urban legend that was not true. Now, now why would Jesus do something like that? Well, because sometimes we come up with, with urban legends or sacred cows or traditions that we like to hang on to, but they're not true. And so what ends up happening is that we, we end up hindering our relationship with God. And it's interesting that, that this was happening in Scripture, but, but we still have the problem with sacred cows even today and even in religion. And we want to tip those things over because sometimes we have these traditions and these sacred cows that hinder us 
in our walk with God. And so that's why today we're going to look in Matthew chapter 15, and we're going to start in verse number 1 in just a few moments. Now just a little bit of, of background information about what's going on here is there was a lot of tension between Jesus at this time and the religious leaders of the day. And, and the reason why is because it's, it's really it's pretty shallow, actually. It, it was because of jealousy. Uh, the religious leaders of the day, they looked at Jesus, and Jesus was very popular at this time. He was popular because of his teaching. Uh, people would listen to him teach. They understood what he was saying. They, they really enjoyed it. He had depth in his messages. But then he, you know, the, the icing on the cake is he would also heal people. And so there were crowds that would follow Jesus. I mean, the Scripture lets, lets us know that there would be you know, fifteen to 20,000 people that would come to be around Jesus. And so you can imagine, the religious leaders, I mean, they're looking around thinking, we don't have that many people following after us. And so they got jealous, and they wanted to do whatever they could in order to knock Jesus down a notch in order to lift themselves back up, to reestablish themselves. And they thought they had found a little chink in Jesus' armor where he and his disciples had stepped over a line. They broke a tradition. They broke a rule, and they thought, now we've got Jesus. Now, now what was the rule? Well, the rule had to do with religious tradition. And so what I want us to look at today in our own lives is I think there are times that we hold up some traditions that are not biblical. And whenever people approach us doing things differently, it's easy to step back, and this is for me too, to step back and say, we can't do that. We've never done it that way before. And if you ever catch yourself saying that, there are a few things that I want to encourage you and me to consider whenever we have that idea of, we can't do that because we've never done it this way before. And the first thing I'd encourage you to consider is this, the origin of the tradition. You know, the tradition that, that you and I like to hang on to, whatever it might be, it's always good for us to say, well, what is the origin of the tradition that I'm hanging on to? Now, I want you to look with me in verses 1 and 2. It says, Then Pharisees and scribes came from Jerusalem to Jesus and asked, why do, you, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat. Okay, so the, the important part here is they say, why, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? What was, what was the sacred cow that was being tipped over here in our text? Well, the sacred cow that was being tipped over in our text had to do with washing your hands before you eat. And apparently the disciples weren't doing it the right way. Now, I look at that and I think, that is a commandment. Every person should wash their hands before they eat. You know, I love it whenever I go and you go into the restroom at a restaurant and it says, you know, employees, you must wash your hands before you go back to work. I thank you, Lord, for that sign. And I'm sitting there making sure, hey, buddy, what color is the soap? You know, I want to make sure that they're washing their hands. Now, this was a very progressive line of thinking, actually. This is all the way back, like the book of Leviticus and Numbers. It talks about, you know, hygiene, talks about washing your hands. Very progressive. Did you, did you know in, in our culture that hand washing was not really something that was taken seriously until the mid-1800s. 
Oh, I mean, isn't that amazing? It's in mid-1800s, they finally figured out that whenever you washed your hands, it, it got rid of some germs, that it would prevent sickness from being spread. So they were being very, they were being very forward-thinking here. So you might say, well, what's the, what's the problem with them getting on to the guys for not washing their hands? Here it is. It did not have to do with hygiene. It did with tradition. It was dealing with tradition, ritual. So, so what are we talking about here? Well, whenever there, there was a law that you, that you needed to wash, purify yourself before you ate. So they, they'd wash their hands. The religious leaders, though, they had this thing called the tradition of the elders. This went above and beyond what God's word said. So they didn't just talk about it. They were like, you know, washing your hands is one thing, but you've got to take it a step further. What they would do is they would, they would wash their hands, but then they would let the water run all the way down to their elbows. It wasn't just about hand washing. It was about fulfilling a tradition. You'd wash your hands, but the water had to come all the way down. So, now, what good does that do? Well, it looks good. You know, before they would, before they would eat, they would wash their hands, but they went, they went a step further. It's like they would wash their hands and go, y'all, look at me. Even my elbows are clean. Everybody, look at me. I don't just follow the law. I take it a step further. I do even more than what Scripture says. Look how pious I am. Look how good I am. That was their tradition. And Jesus was like, that is tradition. That is not biblical. Now, I don't have a problem with tradition. There are some traditions I like very much. I know that whenever, in football, I love tradition in football. I hate teams that are not any good, and then they rise up and beat somebody they shouldn't. You know, I, like, I just like it when the team that's supposed to win, wins. Except for, you know, like when it's Carolina. But, you know, I, I just like that. That makes, me, that makes me feel good. So there's some traditions that I'm fine with. But I'm talking about biblical things here. You know, there are some traditions that we have in our church that we hold to, that we think are important. We practice in our church, we practice baptism. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, November 19th, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Now, those are traditions that we hold to in the church, but the reason why we hold to those traditions in our church is because they come from this book. They, they are commands that God gives us that we as believers are supposed to practice. So traditions aren't bad, but whenever we're talking about spiritual traditions, it's always important to look at what is the origin of the tradition. If the origin of the tradition is just something that maybe your, your grandparents had or something that just simply makes you feel more comfortable, then guys, we can't elevate that to a biblical status. And that's what the religious leaders in the day were doing. They said, you can't just wash your hands, you've got to wash your elbows too. I mean, it was so serious to them that in verse number one, it says the Pharisees, they traveled from Jerusalem all the way up to Galilee in order to get onto Jesus about hand washing. You know how far of a trip that is? It's 85 miles on foot. They, they were so enamored with this tradition that they were willing to walk 85 miles to get onto Jesus about a tradition that they had elevated to a biblical status. Now, I don't know how that happens, how we take certain things and we turn them into biblical status. And I've seen churches war over a lot of different things like this. I've seen churches war over music, you know, the style of music. You know, if you don't sing out of a hymnal, you're not doing it right. I don't have any problem with singing out of a hymnal. The last song we just sang, y'all, I love that song. 
I mean, it, that's the way I grew up. I mean, I listen to that song, immediately I am transported back to my childhood days. And I, it just makes me feel warm on the inside. You know, you hear that, and you, you, there's a lot of comfort there. I like that. There's nothing wrong with that. But to elevate that to biblical status, that's wrong. Y'all, you might, might be surprised to know, did y'all know Jesus did not sing out of a hymnal? He didn't sing out of a hymnal. Whenever people worship today, all across the world, they, they worship differently than we do here. So, so what's important? It's not style. What is important is, is content. Uh, sometimes we, we war and we get in these weird fights about versions of the Bible, the translations. Now, I, now there's some translations I enjoy more than others, but here's the key. Are you teaching, are you being taught the truth of God's Word? Sometimes we elevate traditions to biblical status when it comes to clothing. When you come into the church, and there's certain things that you're supposed to wear. Now, I don't have a problem in being respectful. I think those things are important, all of that. But guys, when we elevate something like that to biblical status, we're moving beyond the Bible. You know, I remember whenever we were meeting over at Lake Carolina Elementary School, and we used to set up every Sunday. And, uh, and, you know, and I, would always, I would bring an extra, I always had to bring an extra shirt to church, because you know, I'm a terrible sweater. If you've ever seen me at the Y, it looks like somebody just got a hose and just blew it all over me. And so, you know, I'd sweat, and then I'd run, and I'd drive, and then I'd change the shirt. And I remember one Sunday, a lady was frustrated at me, and she came up to me and got onto me for not wearing a tie. I'm sweating. And I just said, um, I said, you know what? I said, I'll just be honest with you. I said, yeah, a tie's not real feasible for me. We set up before church, and, you know, by the time, it would be awful if I did. I mean, I would sweat through the tie. And so I was talking to her about that, and that wasn't good. And then I, I said, but did you know Jesus didn't wear a tie? And that didn't, that didn't set very well, you know, with her um, either. That now, we, now you know, I, understand, I understand traditions, but we have to be careful not to turn issues like that into, into something that is biblical when it's not. Because if we do, then what we are doing is we're being like the Pharisees in that we are following rules and regulations, and we are missing out on joy and freedom and hope that Jesus offers. We set up barriers. So when, so when it's my tendency to say, we've always done it this way before, though then there's something for me to consider and you to consider. And that's, what is the origin of the tradition? Because that matters. But, but another thing to consider whenever we have those thoughts, if we've always done it this way before, is this. We need to consider the dangers that come with following the traditions of men instead of the, instead of the Word of God. Uh, look with me in verse number 3. Jesus answered them, and, and why do you break God's commandment because of your tradition? It's a very important uh, statement there. Jesus says, why do you break God's commandment because of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and the one who speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, whoever tells his father or mother whatever benefit you might have received from me as a gift committed to the temple, he does not have to honor his father. In this way, you've revoked God's word because of your tradition. Now, sometimes we can get so enamored and caught up in the traditions of men that we overlook and we break the commandments of God. And that's what was happening in our text. That they, the religious leaders were breaking a commandment that came from God. Now, the commandment they were breaking was the fifth commandment. Anybody know what the fifth commandment is? If you're a mother and father, this ought to be your favorite one. Honor your father and mother. Parents, underline that in your Bible and send that to your children. Okay, honor your father and mother. That is a commandment that comes from God. 
Jesus said, religious leaders, he said, you are breaking the fifth commandment in order to keep a tradition. Now, what in the world was Jesus talking about here? What were they doing? Well, this is kind of interesting. What was happening, this was a part of the culture of the day, was that whenever a parent, now, the, basically, when it came down to, like, social security system back in these days, it was your children. Okay, so you had kids, because when you got older and you couldn't take care of yourself for work, your kids would step up to the plate and take care of you. So that's why you need to have lots of children and just bank on one of them. The odds are greater one's going to be really successful. Okay, so here's what, here's what they would do. They, they would have kids, and then the kids would get older. Parents need help. Now, there were some of the kids who didn't want to help their parents. And so the parents said that they could use some sort of financial help, and here's what the kids could do by tradition and get away with breaking the fifth commandment. They could say, we'd really like to help you, but we can't give you this money because we've already pledged it to the temple. Okay, so, so then is the temple getting the money. Well, there was a loophole. The loophole was if you said, and the religious leader said, you could say that this is protected, you, you can't help them because you're going to give this money to the temple, but you can keep it anyway and just wait as long as you need to, and then you can go ahead and give it to us. And so it was just, you know, and if, if any of y'all came and came up to me and said, hey, I need some help, can you help me? I said, I'd love to help you. You know, I, I'd like to borrow your car. I'd love for you to borrow my car. I've already pledged it to Village Church but I'm going to keep driving it until I decide I don't want it anymore. And so that was what was going on here. So Jesus was saying, what you guys are doing is you are breaking the fifth commandment in order to just simply get more money for yourselves. That's a pretty serious, that's a pretty serious accusation that Jesus was making towards the people. See, that there is a law that God has given us. He's given us his word that we are to follow, and he says, and if you want to show that you really love me, he said, you're going to keep my word. John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. They were not keeping God's commands. They were keeping their own commands to be able to do whatever it is that they wanted to do. Jesus said they were actually revoking or voiding out scripture to keep their own traditions, to follow their own law instead of God's law. Okay, now let me, let me ask you this. How much sense would it be for you, and I've got a couple things on my phone here I'm going to show you here in a second. How much sense would it be for you to make a, uh, let's say you travel around the world and, and you go to a monument. Instead of taking a picture of the monument, you take a picture with your back to the monument of everything in front of you. Hey, y'all, look, I just, went to, you know, I just went to England. Here's a picture. What is that? It's a bunch of people. Well, I was standing next to Big Ben. Well, where is it? What's behind me? Okay, that, that kind of a picture is, is going to be useless. Now, what's interesting, there's a guy named Oliver Curtis who did this. For several years, he traveled around the world, and he took pictures at landmarks without the landmarks in them. So we have a few of those pictures. I just thought I'd show them. I saw this uh, online. I thought it was just kind of weird. Um, this one right here is, he's at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. That's, you know, the famous wall. And so he just takes a picture of a guy walking by. The next picture. You'll never guess what this is. He's Mona Lisa. Uh, he's, Mona Lisa's behind him. He's just taking a picture of a girl looking at a different painting. This next picture here is, y'all, have y'all seen Stonehenge before? If you haven't, you still haven't. Um, you know, Stonehenge is behind him. Uh, the next picture, this is uh, uh, the, no, let's see here. Yeah, this, that, that, y'all don't know that one. I don't even know this one. Do, do the next one. Okay, that's, it's the, um, that's in uh, Mexico City. I, I don't understand that one. Do the next one. Keep going. Yeah, that one right there. Uh, that one is the Great Wall of China. 
<laughs> so anyway, there's a bunch of different pictures. I'm not going to run through all of these. But uh, he has all these pictures at monuments, but he doesn't take a picture of the monument. What do you say about those pictures? Here's what I say about them. Useless. I mean, I'm not interested at all. Here's the Great Wall of China, and this is actually not it. This is what surrounds it. Okay, so here's the idea. This is what the religious leaders were doing. They had taken the lens off of God's word, and they shifted away from the great monument of God's word, and they turned it away from God and just looked out into the world and what they wanted. Guys, that's useless. Whenever we seek after the traditions of men, you get pictures like that. Absolutely pointless. Our focus, our primary intent is to seek God. To place our focus upon his word. And anything that is focused on anything outside of God and his word, it's like you were taking a picture without the monument in the background. It's pointless. It's short-lived. It doesn't have any life to it. You know, whenever we make ourselves primary in life, it is a short-term investment. So whenever I am following after traditions instead of God's word, then that means I'm investing in things that are temporary instead of God's word, which is everlasting. So whenever I, I catch myself saying, well, we can't do that because we've always done it this way before, there's a few things I need to consider when it comes to matters of faith. I need to consider what is the origin of the tradition. I need to consider what is the danger of following the traditions of men instead of the word of God. And then this is the last thing I need to consider, and that is what is the heart of the tradition? You know, what's behind it? Okay, look in verse 7. Jesus is talking to the religious leaders. He says, hypocrites. Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching us doctrines, the commands of men. Now when it comes to traditions, very, very simply we have to ask ourselves this. Where does this following this tradition lead me? Does it lead me into relationship with God, closer to God, or does it lead me somewhere else? Now the religious leaders had traditions. Y'all, they had religion down. They knew how to dress properly when they came into places of worship, when they were walking around town. Everybody knew those were religious men. Whenever they prayed, man, they used, you know, they used real big words. They're very pious. They sounded holy and righteous. They had great and stellar reputations in the community. And so I look at all those things, and on the surface, I think those things are good, but then I get to verse number seven. People who talk this great game, they act super spiritual, and then verse seven, look what Jesus calls them. First word, verse number seven, hypocrites. Now, hypocrite is a Greek word. It was used for actors. And so whenever an actor would play a part, he would get a mask, and he would put it on, and he was pretending to be someone that he really wasn't. If your traditions, if my traditions in my faith lead me to be pretending to be something I'm really not, that is a cow that I need to tip over and get rid of. It's hypocritical. Now let me share with you kind of an example of this. Several years ago in Long Beach, California, there was a couple that was they were going on a date and they went to a fast food restaurant to get a chicken, a chicken lunch, chicken dinner. So they walk in, they order it, and they get it to go because they're going to go to a park and have their nice little picnic. And so they order chicken, 
And so ladies, she gets it in the sack, and, and so she hands the, the lady behind the register, hands it to them. They get in the car, they drive off. They sit down at their, at their picnic area, open it up. But instead of having chicken in the, in the sack, he looks in there, it's filled with cash. Uh, the, the lady at the register had accidentally taken the money. The, the manager had just said he'd emptied one register, uh, register and had set it down, and he leaned over, and she thought it was the chicken lunch. And she grabbed that bag and gave it to that man. So the man sits down and opens it up. It's over $800 in cash in his lunch. So he looks at it. Here's what he says. He tells the, his date. He says, oh, we got to go back. That's pretty neat. Uh, the manager at the time, he is going crazy because he thinks he's getting ready to put this in the, uh, back in his safe. And he opens it up and it's chicken. And he's going crazy. And this guy comes back in about you know, 30 minutes later. And he walks in and he goes, Y'all gave me the wrong bag. You gave me cash instead of my chicken. And the manager is, I mean, just totally relieved. Looks in there, all the money's in there. And he says, I have, this is unbelievable. He goes, I can't believe somebody is still that honest today. He said, I want to call the newspaper and do a story, have them do a story on you. This is incredible. And the guy says, you can't call anybody. Why not? He said, because that lady I'm with, she's not my wife. <laughs> okay, now that... He look, now, does he look good on the outside? He looks good on the outside. That's, that's being hypocritical. At least he was honest with chicken, though. Okay, so now here's the deal. How are the, the religious people in our text being hypocritical? What, what did they do that was wrong? Jesus quotes from the book of Isaiah, pointing out their hypocrisy. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He said, in other words, you say the right things, but you don't do the right things. In verse number 9, he pointed out what the real doctrine was. What, 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 was the real, what, what was it that they were living by? They were not living by the word of God. They were living by the traditions of men. And he said, if you live by the traditions of men instead of by the word of God, he said, it is pointless. As a matter of fact, he said, your worship is in vain. That word vain, it means without fruit. You know, if you have an apple tree, and you go out and you water it, but it never produces apples, Jesus is, Jesus is basically saying, you're wasting water. I mean, you're watering a tree that's never going to produce. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you say that you worship me, and yet you are following the traditions of men instead of following me, if you, if you can even say all the right things, but if you're living differently, he said, then your worship's pointless. You know, talk does not produce fruit. Action produces fruit. Whatever it is that you do, whatever it is that you invest in, that is where your heart is. That's who you are. It's who I am. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And whatever is in you, in your heart, eventually it's going to work its way out in the way you live and act. Proverbs 4, 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Whatever you put in here eventually is going to work its way out in the way you live. So if you're putting in things like selfishness, traditions of men over the word of God, living for comfort and joy instead of living for Jesus, and you know what's going to come out? Pride arrogance, selfishness, whatever you put in comes out. Now, if you put in the Word of God, you know what comes out of your life? The character of God. The fruits of the Spirit. 
you live differently. You know, I, I think that's why, you know, in, in politics, I don't care what party you support. Let me tell you something. Politics, so many people frustrated right now. We, we get frustrated because we have these politicians that run for office. I'm not saying all of them. I'm just speaking generally, if there happens to be a politician in here. So, but here's what happens. You know, it, it comes time for right before the election, and they come out, and they say everything you want to hear. And then they get in office, and then they start doing the opposite and what happens to us? I can tell you what happens to me. I get ticked off. Like, what in the world? He said this, but now he's doing that. You know, and I, I'm becoming more and more like my grandmother. I'm like yelling at the television, you know, like as if they can hear me. I can't believe this. I thought about that, and I thought, you know what? I bet you, I, I could see God feeling the same way about us. We say all these things, but then when it comes time to act, we do different things. And I can see God looking at that saying, that's not what you said you would do. You said you, you said you loved me. You said you would put me first. You said that you would serve me. And then I look and see what you do, and you are a jerk. You're inconsiderate. You're selfish. And then he looks at us. He says, man, you're not doing what you said. That's why I admire Moses so much. When I read about Moses, I look in Hebrews eleven twenty four through 26. Here's what it says about him. It says, By faith Moses, when he'd grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the short-lived pleasure of sin. For he considered the reproach of the Messiah to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since his attention was on the reward. So, so whenever I catch myself thinking, we can't do that because we've always done it this way before. Some things to consider. Consider the origin of the tradition. Is it just a personal preference for you or is it scripture? Uh, consider the dangers of following the traditions of men over God's word. Because it's dangerous when we do that. And then finally, consider the heart of the tradition. Where does it lead you? Now, I like, I like tradition as much as the next guy. But if we are following after, the, after traditions that are keeping us from fulfilling God's word, that cow needs to be tipped over. We, we need to get rid of that. And remember, now, even if it's just been a part of your life for a long time, don't, don't elevate whatever tradition it might be that you're celebrating to biblical status. Somebody does something differently, then, and, and you don't like it, or I don't like it. It's not a biblical issue. It's personal preference. We ought to be able to live in freedom in those areas. But when it comes to the Word of God, as we are to stand on what Scripture says, because this is from God. And His Word is pure, it is everlasting, and it is right. And so... For me, I look at some things that I hold very highly in my mind, and I have to be careful not to elevate some of those things to a biblical status. But to say the only thing that, that has biblical status, it's the Bible. I need to hang here and not to try to make the way I feel and what I think to make it something that is biblical. Now, over the next several weeks, we're going to take a look at some sacred cows that are out there, some beliefs that really, more than anything, are based off of feelings and our own intellectual thought 
and not with what Scripture says. And so it's my hope that in your life and in my life that we will examine those things and that we will be willing to knock over some of those sacred cows and say, God, not, not my way, but yours. And so I hope that's what we will take away from this series as we walk away from it, that it is God's word and his word alone that stands. And I don't want to do anything, I don't want to do anything, stand on anything that is contrary to who Jesus is and contrary to what Jesus says. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your leadership that you've given. Jesus, I thank you that that you did not get caught up in the traditions of men, but Lord, you have been faithful to your word. And Lord, we, you, know, you show us that when we are faithful to your word, that it is, a, uh, it is a road that will be cut, that will be level for all time. That's why you tell us in the book of Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make our paths straight. God, there are so many of us that need to find the straight road. Because I believe there's a lot of us that are lost, that are blinded by traditions, by feelings, by thoughts that we have at the expense of your word. Lord, I pray that there will be people who will find freedom truth of your word. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.